Thank you for tuning in to Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz Podcast Plus. The Podcast Plus episodes are captured in arenas such as education, business, government, or general Q&A type discussions. They are messages spoken beyond the pulpit and are being brought to you as bonus podcast episodes to help you relate kingdom principles to community connections. I hope you enjoy the message. So, Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus, and we just thank you, Lord. Father, that you've called us to be a relevant people. God, that you've called us, Father, for an intentional assignment for an intentional time, an intentional season. God, and for such a time as this, Father, we're keeping our eye fixed upon you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. God, that you would finish all that you have begun. Father, we're faithful. We we know that you are faithful. God, that anything you start, you finish all the way. So, God, you started a work in this room. You started a work in each individual in this room, God, and we trust you to finish all that you started. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. I'm excited to be able to kind of chat with you a little bit this morning. When I asked Brendan yesterday, I said, what specifically would you like me to share with the students? And he kind of, I said, give me a prompt. What do you want me to speak on? So I spoke all weekend. I actually spoke five messages this weekend, a four for a conference, I preached Sunday morning, and so... Yesterday, I was finally getting to this message. What do you want? Give me a prompt. And so he said, talk, as a, talk to them as future leaders. What does it look like or what does it mean to have a community impact? So I thought it was a great prompt and a little bit different and kind of right up my alley because I think, you know, we can have all the spiritual and lofty kingdom missions in, in mind, but if it doesn't have an impact on our community, then what good is it? Um, and I know for me personally, and I'm going to share a little bit more about this, I'm always asking the Lord, you know, what, what can we do, God, not to just have this really cool ministry out off of 917 that nobody knows about, but what can we do to really be relevant to our community? So just for funsies, I looked up the definition of impact, which I thought was interesting. The word impact means an act, the action of one object coming forcibly into contact with another. And I thought, that not that interesting? I couldn't help but think about the verse that says, when the kingdom of heaven is taken with force, with force we will take it back. And so I think for us to remember, what does it mean for us to have an impact on our community means we're going to actively, because remember it says with action, okay? So that's important that it says with action. We're going to actively come up against the object of the community and forcibly come in contact with it. So that means have an impact, not just, oh, well, we know you're there, we know what you do, but having a force, a kingdom force on the community. And again, the key word meaning the action of having a force. The action of being a force. The kingdom colliding with the community. So I was thinking about that, and one of my favorite verses is it's a great commission, and it says, go into the world and make disciples among the nations. Now, um, I love the concept of discipleship. I think that's one of the reasons why Brendan and I just click so well is because we really have this passion for disciple people, and we realize that it takes more than just giving you information. 
that we have, a li we have to live a life that's worthy of imitation so you can come and see. And I got a chance to preach on this a little bit on Sunday and talking about, you know, Jesus in Mark chapter 3, 4, 5, and 6 and kind of the progressive model, for lack of a better term, that he gives to us on how he raises up disciples and the organic outcome of that we see in the book of Acts where all of the disciples just begin to organically go and tell everybody all that they have seen and they have heard. Not, not even when they were told, don't speak about this anymore. They were like, we can't help it. It's become like a fire shut up in our bones. That's what Jeremiah says. Because they had had this experience with Jesus and they wanted the world to, tell, they wanted the world to know. And I believe that's a picture of what it means to make disciples among the nations. Now, but if we read that verse, it doesn't say make disciples in the nations. It says make disciples among or of the nations. If you read it in the Greek, it's the idea of not only should we be discipling people, but we as a kingdom should be discipling nations. So what does that mean? It means that we as the prophets, as the apostles, as the evangelists, as the teachers, as the pastors, should be whispering in the ear of those in leadership, of those in influence, and we should be discipling them in the ways of the kingdom. Now, if you remember in the Old Testament, everywhere the king was, you saw right next to him a prophet. And when the king encountered a conflict, or had a challenge, or encountered a problem... He would call for the prophet to hear from the Lord. That's the way it operated in the Old Testament. That was biblical principle in the role, what I think, of the kingdom should be and what it looked like for the prophet to disciple the king. And so I believe that as a kingdom person and Crazy Eat Ministries as a kingdom mission should have that mentality that we should be influencing, whispering in the ear in, those, in, in the ear of those who are in influence, the city leaders, government leaders, coming alongside of them and saying, hey, can I share with you what I think? And I know, uh, again, Brendan and I have kind of been on this path together, and years ago people started prophesying over me that I would have influence in the government. And I was like, oh, Lord, please don't call me into politics. <laughs> and so, but what I started to realize, because I was like, I, governmentally, quite honestly, can I be totally honest with you and tell you I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to, like, government policies and politics and government and all that stuff. I'm like, ugh, pull my eyes out. But what I can do and what I can do very well is I can interpret spiritual activity. I'm very in tune to the spirit, and I can sit in a room full of politicians. I can sit in a room full of businessmen and businesswomen. I can sit in a room full of church pastors, and I can interpret spiritual activity. And out of that activity, God gives me an understanding and gives me revelation, and he gives me solutions and blueprints and answers that otherwise other people are like, huh, and, and what I have found is, honestly, one of my greatest strengths in sitting next to the state representative or the congressman or the mayor is that I don't really know anything about government policy because it doesn't really matter, me, it matter to me. What I know is about kingdom policy, kingdom principles, biblical principles. And that's the wisdom that God gives to me to be able to speak in a moment in a way that's relevant. 
And I believe that's what it means for us to have a kingdom impact. I am always telling people that we want to have an, an impact or we want to affect the socioeconomic status of our community. And so if you go to our website, what you'll do is you'll see this big lofty kingdom mission that says, we come alongside the people with the love of Christ, meeting them where they're at, bringing healing in there yesterday, practical help in there today, for a victorious walk in there tomorrow. Well, that sounds great. And you and I in this room probably know what that means. But a lot of the people in the community would be like, what, what does that mean? And so we recently added to our website, this is our kingdom mission, but here are our community objectives. And what I'm saying to them is, here's, here's our why. This is why we do what we do, but this is what it means to you. This is what makes us valuable to the community. I've written a point. So my first point is this. To have an impact as a kingdom leader in your community, you have got to be relevant. Okay? We've got to have a level of relevance. Now, can I tell you that I spend, and I think you can probably back this up, I spend probably 75, 85, 90% of my week around businessmen, around businesswomen, with people in government, people in the schools, and they're not talking about our really cool church fairs. They're not talking about your, the, the, the fall fest that we're having. I'm sorry, I'm just being honest. For them, that has no relevance to the real challenges that are going on in our, kingdom, in our community. And so when I say relevance, what I'm asking is, and this is marketing 101, okay? So I work with a lot of organizations doing consultation, helping them uh, grow into who they want to be. But marketing 101 is, is whoever you're presenting your mission, your product to, your service to, you need to be able to answer this question. What makes me, what makes my service, what makes my mission valuable to you? Okay? So that means sometimes when I present what we do to the government, it looks a little bit different than when I present it to the churches. Because what makes me valuable to the churches is Souls being saved, people being healed, people experiencing deliverance, coming into the fullness of Jesus, that is not relevant to the government. Okay, now there are people in government that want to know that I believe in Jesus, and we have people in government that believe in Jesus. But ultimately, they want to know what makes you valuable to our socioeconomic status. If I'm presenting the mission to somebody in the school district... I'm going to present to them and say, what makes me valuable to somebody in the school district? Why would they care? They have all these kids. Why would they care if we have these really cool housing programs? And so I have to be willing to say, what makes our housing programs valuable to our local school districts? What makes our counseling services valuable to our local school districts? And I have answers for all of those things. So you can follow me along all day long. Liz does that a lot of times. And she'll see me say our mission, but the way I communicate it is very different depending on who I'm communicating it to. Doesn't change the mission. Doesn't mean I'm being wishy-washy. It means I'm adjusting my message so that it speaks relevance and value to my audience. You follow? Okay, so let me give you an example. If I come into a businessman and I say, why would a businessman, let's say he's the president of Pinnacle Bank, or he's, he's the owner of an auto car wash. 
Why would he care about Crazy 8 Ministries? What makes me valuable to him? And so I might say, I just want to introduce you a little bit to our services. And let me ask you a question, sir. I said, do you, do you pay um, on a monthly basis to provide medical benefits to your employees? And most businessmen are going to say, yes. Why, yes, I do. And then I say, well, what about, Mrs. What about mental emotional care? What if Mrs. Smith comes in and she finds out little Johnny's just started doing drugs or Mr. Smith's having an affair? Would you say that has an impact in your working environment and ultimately can have an impact on your bottom line? Because what do businessmen really care about? Thank you. <laughs> they, wanna, they need to make money, right? So I want to speak what makes me valuable to him. So, so, and he'll say, oh, yes. So it's fair for me to say that if Mrs. Smith is coming in and she's having a mental, emotional crisis in her life, a relational crisis in her life, that it has an impact on your business. Yes, on the environment of your business, great. Well, I know you pay monthly that if Mrs. Smith breaks her ankle, she's going to go to the doctor, she's going to get it fixed, and it's going to have a short impact, but possibly not as long as it will when she finds out Mr. Smith is having an affair. So I'm just curious to know, what do you do for Mrs. Smith when she comes in crying in your office and you have to now reprove her because she's having an effect on your working environment? And, of course, most businesses are like, well, I mean, sometimes blah, blah, blah. And that's when I will say, well, we want to be your solution. At Crazy 8 Ministries, we offer free biblical counseling. And so we want to be that answer for you that when Mrs. Smith comes in, because I know that business owners spend probably 50% of their week dealing with conflict with their employees. We also have conflict resolution classes. We can help you with peer mediation. We can even come into your office and do some team building. Now all of a sudden, I have become what? Relevant. I have shown how my services, my kingdom, high, lofty, what does that have to do with my bank? I have connected and I have collided with action, forcibly, my mission with their mission. You follow? So I have to be willing to say, this is what makes me valuable to you. Now all of a the sudden, they're like, oh, yeah, can you leave some cards? Can you leave some brochures? And then guess what happens? When I've gone in and I've said, here's what I can do for you. And I'm going to talk about being a servant first. He will say, oh, thank you, I'm so glad, it's so nice to meet you. Well, and by the way, what can I do for you? What can I do to help you? And then I'll say, well, I'm glad you asked. We have an annual event called City on a Hill. We're always looking for some sponsorship. We have a golf tournament. We're always looking for some sponsorship. We're looking for people to play in our golf tournament. We have a dinner auction. But I did not go in with the motive that I need you to help me because I do not need them to help me because God is my source. Okay? I am not desperate. If God, God started this thing, and he's going to finish it. And if he wants to shut it down, he can shut it down. That's just the mentality that I have. Okay, so we have to be relevant. One of the ways we can be relevant is identify in your community what the needs are and what the needs are not. Okay? We do that by pursuing relationship, which is point number two. We want to be relational. So we want to be relevant and we want to be relational. So I'm going to kind of wishy-washy back and forth between these two because they kind of intertwine. But in order for me to be relevant, I have to pursue a relationship with people who are in leadership in the community. Now here's a challenge that I have. I have a challenge when people in kingdom mission think they have the right to flow outside of the leadership of the, of the city. 
I do not believe that is biblically in order. I believe that the anointing of the Lord is poured from the head of the leader down. And if you want to catch the anointing, you've got to stand under the head. You follow? That's what it says in Psalm 133. So I find it very important, very relevant to meet with every single city mayor at least once a year and ask them, what do you see as the greatest need in your community and how can we be a part of the solution? And I will tell them, because if I can't be a part of the solution in your community, then I should just go away. Because if I'm not a part of the solution, I am not relevant to them. Okay, I haven't gone in and said, here's what I need you to do for me as a city. Here's how I need to suck up your resources. Because we as a kingdom people are the head and not the tail. And we have to act that way and be that way and know that we are that way, even if our circumstances don't say we are. Okay, and so I'm going to go in as the head and I'm going to say, what do you feel like are your greatest needs? Can I tell you that one of my city mayors two years ago that said, you know, we have a lot of people that call City Hall just looking for resources. And I feel like you have a lot of connections with city resources. Do you think you could just type all those up and put them in a nice little nifty? It was the most, I, I say ridiculous. But for him, it was relevant. It was a problem that they have. They have three, four, five phone calls a week to their city, city hall, and they were like, gosh, we don't know where to refer these people who are asking for meals, who are asking for MHMR services, who are asking for DAR services, who are looking, asking for housing services, who are asking for... And so I was like, sure, I can absolutely do that. So I spent the next two or three months just putting in a nice little binder, a little booklet, all the different services and resources that we have and trying to organize it for him, and I took it to City Hall. And that's what made me relevant to them. And that doesn't sound very kingdom-like, does it? But it's what made me relevant. You know, the Bible says that your gifts make room for you. That they will usher you into the presence of kings and nobles. And so it's part of, basically, that's part of how we get ushered in, is, by basically, is being a servant and allowing our gifts to push the door open. And so that's part of being relevant. So I go in and I ask, what are your needs, what are the problems, and what are they not? Because a lot of us feel like this is what Johnson County needs or this is what Tarrant County needs. But when you sit and you talk to your city leadership, you might find out, and I have discovered this, that you're way off base. That what you think needs to happen is very different from what's really happening. And there are things going on behind the scenes that we might not necessarily know about. But when you take time to pursue a relationship, people will tell you secrets. And they will tell you what's really going on because they want to set you up. And here's the thing. You know, when Nehemiah went into the city, he said, I'm looking for the man of peace. And that's what I'm doing when I go into the city. Any city, I'm looking because God strategically positions his people. And there are people in government that are looking for people like us to say things that they can't say. But we say it in a way that it's relevant, that they want us to say it, but we say it because they can't say it. Does that make sense? Did that make sense to you? Okay. Perfect. So I want to have a relationship and earn and, and, and understand the vision and the desires of community le leadership. That's government and schools. So those are kind of one pillar slash two-ish. Your businesses and your churches. I'm sure, uh, do they call you Pastor Brendan? I'm sure Pastor Brendan, uh, I'm sure Pastor Brendan has talked to you about the three pillars of a community, government, schools, and churches, right? So your government, 
or government businesses and, and uh, churches. And your government includes your schools. Um, and so I look at those as four different unique pillars just because I have to be intentional to pursue a relationship with each one of them. So I'm going to go in and I'm going to ask each one of them. When I go into the schools, what would make us relevant to you? Well, most of your counselors nowadays are so busy doing academic things, right, that they don't have time to actually counsel students. When I go into the hospital, they have their chaplains who are taking care of the patients, but I'll go into administration and I'll say, who's taking care of the people who are taking care of the patients? Because your services are only as healthy and as excellent as your staff is. So you've got your chaplains taking care of your patients, but who's taking care of your nurses and your doctors? Because if Nurse Smith comes in and she's having a bad day, chances are the services that she gives to the patient aren't going to be quite as sweet as they were the day before. That makes us valuable to them. And the fact that we're free. And that's just, that's just our services. But the point is, is you need to be able to answer that question. The other thing in being relevant is you need to know, identify your own personal strengths and weaknesses. It is important that you capitalize on your strengths and don't pour all your time into your, your greatest weakness to its greatest strength is still not going to be as strong as your greatest strength. So uh, know that God has called you to do what you're called to do. Capitalize on your greatest strengths and don't let your greatest weaknesses pull, hold you back. The way, the way to overcome your weaknesses is by capitalizing on your greatest strengths. You can't overcome your weaknesses. And it's fine. Everybody has weaknesses. But understand that your weakness, under the power of the Holy Spirit, becomes your greatest strength. Okay, so you'll notice that they're connected there. So as you're capitalizing on your greatest strength, you'll see how your weakness kind of comes under that fold and gets folded or molded into your greatest strength. So you want to capitalize on your own personal strengths. Don't worry about your weaknesses. But also as a ministry, you want to capitalize on your greatest strengths as well. So for example... One of our greatest weaknesses is that we uh, are always full. Our housing facility is always full. People complain all the time that they can't ever get in. Well, you know what? You can look at it as a greatest weakness, but it's actually our greatest strength. It means people love us, they want to stay, they thrive, and we're a two-year program. So our greatest strength is that we are a two-year program. People come they want to stay, they don't leave, we have very low turnaround in our housing program, and then I will say to somebody, is that a weakness or a strength? And so I basically have said, I'm not going to argue my weakness to you, but let me show you how it's actually a great strength for us. You follow? Okay, so find those people, so this goes under being relational, connect with people, show up and be present. So here's the thing. We want to pursue relationships. Don't stand back and wait for people to pursue a relationship with you. I'm going to be honest with you. People in government, people in business, and people in churches, you can have a really cool ministry, and they don't really care. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's probably one of my biggest shocks and one of my biggest disappointments. And I know we're standing in a church. We're standing in my church. But I'm going to be honest and I'm going to be realistic with you and tell you the churches did not care. They, they, I don't know if they saw me as a threat. I don't know if they saw me as what the deal is. But they did not care. They did not pursue a relationship with me and be like, oh, yay. Yay, another ministry is in town. I had to pursue a relationship with them. Okay? In fact, I will tell you that the businesses probably pursued relationship with me more than I, I did with, than the churches did. 
Government typically pursues a relationship with me because it looks good for them to have a picture and a standing next to me. But beyond that, so understand, understand motives sometimes behind things, but the reality is you have to be intentional to pursue relationship. So when I say be relational, I'm not just saying be relational. I'm saying pursue a relationship. Again, in government, in schools, in churches, in businesses. Be willing to connect with people. Show up and be present. We talked a lot about being involved in the community. Be a part of the community. Get involved. One of our greatest ways of marketing is by serving at other people's events. Rotary has a golf tournament. Crazy 8 Ministries is going to volunteer. The Chamber has a golf tournament. Crazy 8 Ministries is going to volunteer. Honey Tour Fest. Crazy 8 Ministries is going to volunteer. It makes us relevant to the businesses. It lets them know we care about your organization and we care about your fundraisers too. We don't feel threatened because we say we believe that we serve a God who owns all the cattle on a thousand hills, but we can demonstrate that too and that we're not concerned about you getting all the money and us getting none. Okay, so I can demonstrate that that makes me relevant to them. But inadvertently, it's the whole law of reaping and sowing. If I want to reap from the community, I have to sow into the community. So biblically, there's a biblical principle there. I would love to tell you I went to school for marketing, but I didn't. The Bible tells me everything I need to know. I didn't know that if we sowed into the community, that little did I know that would become our greatest marketing event. I did not know that when we started City on a Hill in 2012, it started out with 11 booths, that eight years later it would be almost 150 booths and it would be our largest marketing event. That was not my motive. My motive was to serve the community. My motive was to sow into the community. And God has taught me ever since then that like, ooh, look at that. There's a biblical principle here. If we want to reap from the community, we have to sow into the community. So what do we have? A lot of people that are like, I can't afford to support you. I'll be honest with you, a lot of churches are like, we wish we could support you, but we just can't afford it. Uh, I'm sorry you don't understand biblical principles, because the Bible says you reap after you sow. We sow into Next Step, we sow into Harvest House, we sow into the promises, and frankly, we sow into some of our churches, whether they sow into us or not. Because I believe that God has told me that Crazy 8 Ministries will become a pouring house, a, a warehouse, that doesn't just support our community, but also supports the kingdom. And so I'm going to act on that prophetically. I'm going to pull on the hem of Jesus, and I'm going to pull that in, and I'm going to force it to be activated. So I don't have to see it to act on it, right? Because we, we act on faith, not on sight. All right. So being relevant, being relational. I mentioned a little bit about this. Being available. Serve in the community. Don't seek to be served, but rather serve not just to the needy, but to the community. I've already talked a little bit about that. In relationship, let me back up and remember the power of collaboration. This is huge. We collaborate with anybody we can, anytime we can. And I do not feel threatened by that. In fact, I know that that is the answer. It is the kingdom. And again, that's recognizing where we're weak, we're going to partner up where somebody is strong. Strong. I don't feel threatened by my weaknesses as a ministry or, by, or me personally. I see that as a place where God's going to link me up where somebody's going to complete where we stop. And so be intentional about collaborating with other organizations, other businesses, other government entities, knowing that the Bible says it's sweet and it's pleasant when my brethren dwell in unity, for there the Lord releases his, he commands his blessing is actually what it says in Psalm 133. Be bold. Know your kingdom position. 
Remember the very first blessing that God prayed over Adam and Eve was to be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, stand on the earth and subdue it. That's boldness. I'm not bold in a room full of community leaders because I'm necessarily confident in my own flesh. I'm bold because I'm confident in my position in the kingdom. I'm bold because I know that God places his hand on me every day, every moment, and said, I've blessed you to be fruitful, to be multiplied, to have dominion in this room, and to stand upon the earth and subdue it. Every place you set your foot, I will give you authority in that spot. And when you are confident in that place, that will come off of your countenance, and people will be drawn to you. But a lot of times we walk into a community... Now, to be honest with you, I see people do it all the time who are in ministry, who are in churches. They walk in, and because they are the least popular, they assume that makes them the least powerful. And just because we may not necessarily be popular does not mean we are not the most powerful. Because if God is with you, you're the most powerful person in the room. Because you're never walking into a room together. It's you and the Holy Spirit. And where the Holy Spirit goes, change happens and favor happens. So I expect that. I expect when I walk into a room that not because of me, but because the Holy Spirit is with me, that the favor of the Lord is on me. And I literally, when I'm walking in a room, I will say, God, you're going to give me favor in this room. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know when you're going to do it. I don't know who you're going to do it through, but I believe it. Because the Bible says that we are a favored people, that this is the year of the favorable, uh, this is the favorable year for, uh, for the kingdom. And so that's what I expect God to do. So when you understand that, mentally and emotionally, but most important, spiritually, it will change the confidence and the boldness when you walk into a place where you're not, you're not uncomfortable walking up and introducing yourself to the senator or to the mayor or to one of the senior pastors. You're just confident because you understand and you recognize, I'm a child of God. And at the cross is level ground. And so being bold is super important. And finally, I want to end with this, being passionate. I, I preached on Sunday, and I was talking about uh, evangelism, which is like my worst topic to talk about ever. But they were like, we want you to preach on evangelism. Okay, great. And so I talked about in 2 Kings chapter 7, the, the lepers that went in and how they were at a place of destruction. They were dying, okay? They were desperate, and they went and they found the loot in the enemy's camp. And as they began to reap it, at first they began to hide it. And they began to put it under the tent, uh, uh, the floor of the tent, and they began to conceal it or keep it in the dark is what it means in the Hebrew. And then all of a sudden there was this revelation to them that says, this is the day of good news. And we're not doing right by keeping it hidden. And it was, it was the reaping and the tasting and the seeing, because it said that they tasted and they were eating, and they reaped of the silver and of the gold and of the clothing that was left behind. And it was out of their own experience that there was a passion that rose up that they had to go and share the goodness of what they had experienced. It should be organic. It shouldn't be difficult. And I said to them, some of you, some of us in this room, when we're out in the community, we need to notify our face that we've been saved. We need to notify our verbiage that we've been saved. We need to notify our countenance that we're excited. Why? Because we've been tasting and eating and reaping of the goodness of God. The loot of the kingdom, we call it the booty. That's my favorite word. The booty of God. The goodness of God. But when you've been eating that of your own, there's an organic. So I want to be careful here because I don't want you to act passionate. I want you to be passionate. 
And we are passionate when we've been saturating ourselves in the person of Jesus Christ first. People will say, man, she's a real firecracker. Man, she's got so much energy. Man, I don't know if you've met Lisa Schwartz, but blah, 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 blah. I don't know what it is about her, but I just am drawn to her. When she speaks, I can't help but listen. That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit gets free reign in my life because I've been saturating myself in his presence on a daily basis before I go out into the community. You follow? So when I'm going into, a, into the community, I am very intentional as I'm praying. I'm declaring things, and I'm reminding myself of who God is and his goodness, and then that just begins to be the countenance that I'm carrying, and people are drawn to that. Have a genuine passion for what's going on in your community. Ask yourself what keeps you up at night and what excites you. If you don't know what your purpose is and you don't know what your passion is, ask yourself those two questions. Questions, what keeps you up at night and what excites you? And you will find the seed of God, the assignment that he has put in your heart. I believe that when Jesus came to the earth, that his flesh and his body was wrapped around a purpose. God didn't send Jesus. He sent an assignment and he wrapped Jesus around it for an intentional purpose, for an intentional assignment. And so I believe that for each one of us. That God has an assignment and an intentional purpose in mind. That, that word in, in Romans 8, 28 where it says, All things work together for good to those who are called according to into the love of God for an intentional, it means a deliberate plan. A deliberate purpose. Meaning God has a deliberate assignment for you. And I believe that there was an assignment and there was a purpose. And he wrapped Amy around that assignment and that purpose. And he wrapped Tina around that assignment and that purpose. And so in you is an intentional purpose and a deliberate plan. And that you will find out what it is when you start asking yourself questions like, what keeps me up at night? What excites me? What makes me tick? What really bothers me? And you begin to ask that because your purpose, your assignment, your mission will fit who you are. And if it doesn't fit, you need to back up and ask yourself if I've, if I've stepped outside of the lane that God has made for me. The Bible says that the yoke of the Lord is easy and his burden is light. And we think that word easy means easy history, you know, just super easy. That's not what it means. In the Greek, it means it's fitting and it's kindly. It also denotes the idea of a benefactor meaning it's beneficial to who you are. What you're called to do is an asset to, your, to who you are, your God design. It fits. So what that means is you can work really hard, but nothing's hard work. And that's where our passion comes from, is being walked right into the purpose that God has given to you, being saturated in his presence, and there's a passion that comes up out of you, that people in the community will be like, I don't know what she's been eating, but I want what she's got. Is that making sense to you guys? Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com.